You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. It is not a good day. It is a bad day. It's a bad day, sad day, real bad day. Uh, Phil's really just let the NLDS uh, slip through their fingers, and I won't say it's over because that's kind of an overdramatic thing to look at a 1-1 series, but uh, I really I saw my boy uh, my boy Dean put this up on Twitter. He, he 100% right. Like They didn't lose this series, but they definitely just lost an opportunity to kind of put their foot on the throat of the Braves and win the series and kind of just come home to a cushy situation where you could just, you know, all you got to do is win one game here and this series is over. But, uh, again, my name is Maverick Sweeney. I'm joined by Ty Capone. Ty's uh, Dodgers are not doing too well either. So this is going to be a sad baseball podcast from the people at the Hot Take Hot Box. But, Ty, how are you feeling other than what I just mentioned? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. I mean, the Phillies had a huge huge moment to uh, put them down 2 nothing. I think I think I heard or saw that uh, teams that are up 2-0 in the division series are 29-3. So that would have been huge, and on the same hand, it's uh, pretty much curtains for the for the Dodgers. They should win Game Three. Brandon uh, Brandon Fat is uh, not good, and they should be able to actually get a hit this game, maybe. But who knows? You know, October Mookie Betts is great, and then October comes, and he wants to go bowling. So oh, cool. I don't I don't know what's going on there. Also, our pitching is so decimated that we had to throw Clayton Kershaw uh, Clayton Kershaw out there on Game One with a you know. I mean, his shoulder is basically string cheese at this point in his career, uh, and and this at this point in the season, he had a good season, and then he just he got hurt, and now he has now he has to pitch through it, and uh, you know his velocity was in like in the high eighties, uh, things weren't looking good. He only got one out. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Listen, and they just want. I feel like the Dodgers are like, you know what? Let's make Clayton Kershaw out to be the complete joke of the franchise, so we can you know. Oh, it's just uh it's not great. We're done. It's over. Listen, the Phillies game, I'm sitting there in dead silence in my in my crib last night and they 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 go from the I mean, you would have thought from the broadcast that the Braves had just won the Intergalactic Championship from the, the reaction that the I mean, these guys were losing their fucking minds on the on the broadcast. So they go from that to then they they show us the Dodger game and the Dodgers are already down one nothing. I'm like yeah, and then you got Bob Costas out here trying to <laughs> trying to make edgy jokes and shit. I fucking hate Bob Costas. So goddamn terrible. Well, and I then hate he's like Clayton I mean, Kershaw, you sad sack of shit exiting this stadium. I'm like, yeah. all right, Bob, let's relax. Let's take it easy, Bob. But no, it just uh it was rough. So let's just go through the Phil's uh their their last, I guess, week since we I believe we had a pod that Tuesday or I think or Monday before the uh wild card series. And the Phils went out and took care of business against the uh, Marlins. I'm really not too concerned about that because, I, I mean, I was a little nervous. They kind of, you know, eased my troubles there. Uh, I, I didn't really – I guess none of us really thought that the Diamondbacks would just clap the Brewers' cheeks like that. But, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of how, how it goes sometimes. The Twins just do- absolutely dominated, I believe. Uh, who did they play? The, right the now. Um, why, why Blue can't Jays. I think of them right now? Blue Jays. Yeah, well, that's how – Irrelevant they are, and then uh, you had the your Rays uh, get get kind of just embarrassed. Race, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know not not a good look to have. I mean, I, I get the game was at three o'clock, but not a good look to have uh, that Absolute many empty seats. 
uh, in yeah, the and there's people that down here are like, well, it's 3 p.m. On a, on, a, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I'm like, Meanwhile, Milwaukee is packed to the gills. And yeah. every stadium, every single home game the MLB has had, it's been like 100% attendance, and then the Rays was like 30. Uh, it's just – it's just uh, it's not really a baseball area. Like people love the Rays down here, but there's a lot of transplants. Uh, the the Tampa Bay Rays play in St. Pete way out, not way out of the way, but if there's uh, traffic on the bridge, very far from Tampa. And I don't know. Tampa fans just aren't great sports. It's not a great sports city. I mean, it's definitely a hockey city. Everyone loves the Lightning, but they're also in Tampa. They're in downtown Tampa. And they've also been, like, you know, pretty good their most of their existence. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else. Is, I mean, the Rays are trying to do something. They're trying to, you know, get a new stadium. That's like 2026, 2027, I think. So they're going to try to transform the trop and everything around the trop into what Atlanta has done with the battery outside of the uh, Truist, which is awesome. Looks really good, brand new, expensive. I'm sure it's, there's a bunch of shit to do outside of the stadium or right next to the stadium. <clears throat> so that's what the Rays are trying to do. <clears throat> but, yeah, you know, I, I just – as long as it's not the trop because it's so dull inside there, like it's fun. It's like an Amazon baseball warehouse game. in there, dude. dude. I've never been there, but I've only, only seen <laughs> it in pictures. So, it just looks so bad. It's just dull. You're in there and you're like, all right, well, here we are. <laughs> We're There's no like game, environment. There's no electricity. No, it's, just... it's dead quiet. There's like a raised tank where you can like go pet a Singray or some shit. Other than that, there's not much to do. Well, I'd punch one of them for my homie Steve Irwin. Yeah. But, uh, uh, listen, so the Phils, they draw the Braves, obviously. We knew this was going to happen. They go out in game one, and they look dominant. They take care of business. Ranger Suarez pitches like three and two-thirds, which was like I was pulling my hair out. He brings Jeff Hoffman in in the fourth inning. I'm like, what in the what in God's name is going on? Everything he, pitcher. Yeah, everything he did in that game worked out, it seemed. So, uh, I mean, he uh, he used his entire bullpen. Uh, I'm almost positive. I mean, other than maybe yeah. a name here or there, but the off days, uh, I guess, help. Yeah, managers be able to like you know kind of go through a bullpen or have a multiple bullpen games in a series, and uh, you know, kind of be able to bounce back from that from that and not be pretty much depleted. Um, also, they've so that happened, and I was like, dude, they have Wheeler game two and Nola game three, like. I'm not saying they're going to sweep them, but that is a huge, huge advantage to have over the Braves, whose pitching is, uh, you know, not great. Like, Max Reed looked like shit last night. So, uh, you know, they really just need that fucking win. They had it. They had it the entire game, and they, like you said, could have put their foot right directly on the throat of the Braves and forced them to win two games in Philly where that place is fucking rocking and then have to come back home so now, I mean, you know, you have to win both. I don't think you want to go back to Atlanta for game five. Definitely don't. So they in that game one, they go Hoffman, Dominguez, Alvarado, Kirkering, uh, Strong, oh, and uh, Kirkering's the guy from single A that they brought up, and he's uh, just throws nasty, throws a hundred, and just like has this sweeper that just cuts across the zone. Yeah. I, I, I'm all in. I'm all in. No, that's why I, I, that's one of my favorite moves that a GM has made, where it was just like they went and saw this guy, they were like, oh, he's got this kind of stuff. Like, all right, we're bringing him yeah. up. Like, let's just not I even. Like that. Even if he's not ready, what happens? He gets rocked. Well, Clay Kershaw's, you know, got five hundred thousand innings of experience, and he gets rocked. So 
maybe uh, experience doesn't matter sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Know? You bring a guy like Hoffman into the game. So let's all right. So they win that game three nothing. It's really not even uh, all that close throughout the game. I mean, there were some moments where you're like, oh shit, this could go their way. And it, uh, you know, Turner makes that diving play yeah. I think in the eighth inning. That was kind awesome. of saves the game. Yeah, so there were some big moments. So last night, like you said, you're going into this game, you're thinking, you got Zach Wheeler. It, this is your horse, your ace. And you're pitching or you're playing against a Max, Max Freed who had a boo-boo on his finger, which we heard about about a thousand times going into this uh, the, this game last night and throughout the game they would not stop talking about it jeff francor is giving breakdowns in the first of all i don't understand also why jeff francor couldn't have somebody maybe like gel his hair a little bit better because he literally looks like he just got up off the craps table at fucking 3 a.m he looks so shot out it's unbelievable but i digress yeah yeah, exactly philly's legend they're like well he played for the phillies i'm like it doesn't really matter the guy was like mr baseball in in, in the state of georgia in like 2002 (laughs) And he's like, yeah. Mr. Atlanta Brave. They fucking love that guy down there. I don't want to hear about how he has Phillies tied. He could give two fucks about Philadelphia and the Phillies. Yeah, he was cooked by the time he was on the Phillies anyway. Phillies go out there and get a run in the first inning, which is huge. You jump out to a, a one nothing, like one nothing, just lead before Wheeler even touches the mound. Wheeler comes out and strikes out the first six guys he sees, dude. He's Insane. absolutely cruising. You're up 3 nothing, 4 nothing in the fifth inning, okay? And you're thinking, oh man, here we go, dude. Like, we're in here. Like, this is, this just feels like a W. I was already sitting in my house, like, God damn, like, I feel good. Um, then things walk kind Acuna, of. Walker right? Uh, I, I believe that's walk exactly. Walker Cunha steals second, gets the third on a wild pitch. No, he gets the third. No, he's, he gets the third on like a, um, wait, I'm sorry. He, does he steal? No, I think he was on first. And the the guy hits a double down the line, and uh, Cassianos okay. is throwing it in, and Turner tries to, tries to backhand it, and it bounces off his glove, and Acuna scores from third on that. So then we just have a guy on first, I believe. That's right. And then I think they do they I think they get out of that inning. Yes, they get out of that inning. Yeah, and then they out. come back, oh. and it's a Matt Olson nuke, like a uh, line drive. Uh, maybe they got an out before that. I think it maybe an. Uh, or, no, he he let off with a single. They struck out Ozuna, and then Darno okay. went deep. And then Darno went deep. Yeah. So and and that that pitch choice there, I just don't get. I mean, maybe it's just a, a good pitch choice, but bad execution because that curveball just looped right across the zone, and off the bat, you knew that thing was gone, and it went very deep into the left field seats. So now it's four three, and you're like, you can as a Phillies fan, you just have that feeling. You're like, oh my god, we like. I knew, I said it at my house. Everyone's like, oh, you're so negative, but I just, I can't, I can't help it, man. I was like, we're gonna lose this game, dude. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but we are going to lose this game. It is. I've watched the Phillies all season long. The Phillies, this Phillies team, even last year, has a tendency that they score early runs and then they just stop. They're done. Yeah, Yeah, like that's it. And they left a lot of guys on base last night. They left a lot of opportunities out there and gave runs away, it seems. Uh, I mean, bases loaded in the first inning where they, they, they get out of it. They had a couple, like, first and third with one out. that they, they were In able the to... sixth inning, they could have they had a, they had a, um, they could have piled on more right before the Braves batted in the sixth. Yes. I think they had uh, bomb. I think bomb and they, they had runners on first and second with one out. And then Harper fouls out the third, and Real Muto fouls out the first. Just pathetic at bats that you you can't have from your you know two of your biggest guys. Like all you need is a little single, right? All you need is a walk, just something, a little poke, and you know to foul out you know weekly. Like it was like the Dodgers last night; they would get a runner on, double play, 
Mookie Betts would come up, he would pop up. Freddie Freeman would come up, he would ground out. It's like, you need your big guys to reform with a fucking seasonal line, pretty much. You know, like every run, every bat, everything matters in a best of five series. And, you know, uh, in the sixth inning, the Phillies had a chance to, to just add on a little bit, a little bit more before the Braves' bats started to wake up, and they couldn't. Nope. And, I mean, runners in scoring position, there's no excuses. Like, you can say the, the, the bats showed up a little bit in the first uh, half of the game, but you got to keep going, man. The Braves can just keep the, – the Braves can score 10 runs in the blink of an eye, uh, and they scored five in the blink of an eye. So that really uh, – and then obviously walking Acuna is just, you know – can't happen. You can just, that's the one guy you cannot put on the bases. And then Trey Turner cannot, you know, I don't know how he botched a throw in from the outfield. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it can't happen. It just started to, it just started to avalanche. It, yep. it, it seemed like pretty much. And I know like, see, so now they, they obviously the Phillies lose and, uh, it, it, you know, you really don't get much going in those later innings of the, the game you have, uh, AJ Minter who comes in throwing gas, you know, and, uh, Rossio Iglesias who, you know, I mean, Castellanos was about five feet away from taking the lead in this game. Uh, with that, with that ball, he absolutely smoked. But I, I, I mean, play. yeah, what a play by uh, Michael Harris! It really was reminiscent of that Chas McCormick playing the World Series last year. But the mind bending. James Altman made a similar catch. Right? Yeah, same, same exact time. Mind bending. Right. Mind bending is the fact that Bryce Harper was. Midway through second and third base, there. I I just yeah, truly don't understand what he was thinking or what he was doing. At the at the very least, he should be standing right on second base, and just yeah. like Maybe. I don't I I I just don't get the advantage. Like if that ball is not caught and he drops it and it, or it bounces off the wall, he's going to score if he's standing on second base. Either way, yeah. Like I, even if he has a couple steps off second base, I just don't get. He was in full run around second base like that thing was on the ground like I I just I don't get it and Bryce Harper has is one of the like I don't want to say this like because it's gonna sound horrible but it's the truth he is a horrible base runner he really is like he I don't get where his like he is one of the smartest baseball players until it involves trying to run the bases and he just has no fucking idea what he's doing he's so aggressive on the bases for no reason that is not a situation where we need you to you know even if he whatever he catches that ball, you go back to first base. You still have Bryson Stott up against a right-hander who I I have confidence that maybe Bryson Stott could find find one of those gaps or rope one down the line and maybe you score and get thrown out at the plate. I'll live with that. But for us to go out the way we did last night, it's just it was horrible. We just gave that game away a one hundred percent, and it just they score five runs throughout from the sixth to the eighth inning, and that's how they win the game off two home runs. And uh, a fucking botched play by uh, Trey Turner that really just cost them, you know, cost them the game. He makes two errors last night. He's the two er- yeah. two Phillies errors, and it's it's tough because he, Max Freed was not. He pitched horrible last night. You could tell right away that he was he was kind of like not necessarily wounded or whatever, but you could get to him. He was not, you know, it, it was a version of Max Freed that you were not really all that worried about. Now. You don't know who you're going to be facing in Game 3. I'm not necessarily all that worried about it, but I I don't know, man. It just I think a lot of the Phillies fans around here think that it's just going to be just like last year. Like the Braves are going to come in here scared, and that we're just going to walk through them. I, I don't really – those guys have been sitting around all year long thinking about playing here again, thinking about getting that revenge and kind of just ripping our hearts out. And 
they're a great baseball team. That's that's the, uh, really that's what I was like. I was screaming. You don't give great baseball teams games like that. You can't because it will come back to bite you. The Braves have not played that well yet, and now like it seems like the momentum has completely shifted. And I get the momentum at the end of the day doesn't really matter in playoff baseball because it kind of just goes back and forth. But it's just more of the fact that they had that game won. You got uh, exactly what you needed uh, from Zach Wheeler, and. Now you'll never see Topper leave that guy. Leave leave him out there and kind of trust his starter. He's just going to go right to the pen. And I, I, again, I just I, before I forget, I did want to discuss the fact that I don't understand why Jeff Hoffman is coming in in the eighth inning of a truly meaningful, uh, like the the most important game of the season. I get he's pitched well. I get his ERA is probably great and all those numbers and whatnot, but. Still Jeff Hoffman, it's still the NLDS, and uh, I don't trust you, so I'm not going to go to you in the biggest moment of the season. I probably would have left. I mean, listen, I, I get it's lefty righty situation, but I mean Alvarado's still absolutely pumping gas, and he has off tomorrow, so I don't get why you wouldn't maybe try to extend him, run him for two innings. You know, I don't know. Like I, I just, I feel like I would have lived with Alvarado giving up a bomb as opposed to Jeff Hoffman. It just. I don't know. What 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 do you think from an outsider's perspective as just kind of wa- like watching this whole nightmare unfold? Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like managing a bullpen is so like, you know, even if you do, uh, even if you make the right moves, it doesn't matter. Like uh, Dave Roberts pulled all the strings in game in game two against the Diamondbacks last night. He made all he picked, he took guys out when they should. He brought in the right guys and it didn't matter. Um, so like that's, that's going to get lost in some people. But if he would have, uh, you know, if you're winning and you take out a starter and bring in one guy and he gets rocked, it's like, well, why didn't you bring in the other guys? And but if you brought him in and he got rocked, it's it's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like oh, you yeah. should have brought in this guy and not that and not that guy. I personally think uh, Alvarado's nasty. I think he's nails. I think you probably you know try to try to ride him as much as long as you can, like twenty something pitches. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I never saw him with Jeff Hoffman. He was a you know top prospect like five ten years ago and flamed out, and now he's like. You know, a reclamation project reliever. I just, uh, I've never been confident in him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I would have left Alvarado in, but also, you know, I'm not a manager. I don't know if Rob Thompson's uh, much better than I or you are, but um, well, yeah, tough decision. He's going to get criticized pretty heavily for that. Yeah, and he won. He, fil- I mean, you could argue Rob Thompson won them game one with the the decisions he made. So it's nothing to right. really like. You know, like I was there saying, why the fuck did they just take Ranger Suarez out? He was absolutely dealing, but you know, obviously it worked out. He he made the right decision because we won the game last night. Uh, I I guess the only problem I have with uh, leaving Wheeler in is just because he's never he hasn't done that all year. Like, and I I, I just. I, even though I would, I've wanted him to do that. It just strays from his like identity or what he believes. So that's why I don't like it because it's just like what what like I've come to expect. Like as soon as Olsen got that hit, I was like, oh, they're taking him out. I thought they were gonna take him out before the inning when ha, they saw Hoffman warming up in the uh, in the pen during the last inning. I'm like, all right, well he got through the sixth. Like we're good now, you know. Like he, you know, he he did what he had to do. I don't necessarily like. I just don't understand. If you were going to make a playoff run, why you didn't go out and get an, another absolute nuclear arm out of the pen, or maybe I I don't know there like, there had to be a better option back there that they could have brought in other than fucking Jeff Hoffman. Like I, I don't care what he's done all year, I really don't. 
He got one out the other night. Congratulations. Uh, it's just it's way different than pitching in a one-run game in the eighth inning of the NLDS. It's it's I, I don't know. And I I mean, at the end of the day, they probably were going to go to Kimbrel in the ninth, and things were going to go fucking haywire from there anyway. So <laughs> I really don't want to get all that worked up about it. But it's just more of the matchup situation where I don't want Jeff Hoffman facing the top of the lineup. I I, I don't. I don't know who we have as a right-handed arm out of the pen that I want facing the top of the lineup. That's the tough thing about playing these guys. They have Austin Riley, Acuna, fucking Azuna. They have just really good right-handed bats. So it's like, you know, I get you don't want to necessarily go lefty on lefty. I wouldn't want Strom in there, but I think Alvarado's a little bit of a different story. I think you could have Alvarado or Soto, yeah. I think. You know, exactly. Like, Alvarado only pitched 16 strike, uh, pitches, only threw 16 pitches. So, like, maybe leave him in for... Uh, I don't know, but... And I tweeted that, like, th- you have the account 3-2. Why are you throwing, like, a curveball across the middle of the zone? Like, I, that, yeah. that to me, I didn't understand. Throw some high heat or low and away, and if he beats you, it beats you. It is what it is, but I am not going to serve one up to him. Uh, and, and if he walks him, he walks him. Maybe it was like he wanted it low and Hoffman just missed this, just completely missed the spot, which that's possible, but... I would have rather. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say that now, but I, you, I don't understand why you're not just walking that guy and have Olsen, if, especially if you were going to go to Soto, no matter what. I'd rather would have just yeah. dealt with Soto. If Soto serves one up, he serves one up. But I'll take the guy who's absolutely pumping gas and out of the pen and, and live with the consequences. But now they got the good three. news. Yeah, I guess the good news is you have. Nola going against either Bryce Elder, I would, I would assume Bryce Elder, or um, uh, AJ Smith Sawyer. Chauver. Chauver? Sawyer? Is that going to be both like, uh, they won't be able to throw Strider in game four, you don't think, right? Well, no, he's. I think he is going game four, wow. uh, is what it seems like. Him and Suarez, because I think they get another day off also. Um, so they're so off they're today, but it's to... Wednesday. Thir- he'll pitch on Thursday then. Okay. So I think um, they're going to try to make it a bullpen game. Hope Bryce Elder or uh, Smith Shaver can go three or four. And then uh, Bryce Elder, I don't know if he's going to start, but he's going to definitely, they're going to try to get three, four innings out of him. But you have the advantage there. Aaron Nola, listen, I, th- that's the bad news. Aaron Nola is very volatile. Yeah. And he likes to hang curve balls. He likes to throw dead fast balls. He likes to throw meat balls. He gives up home runs a lot, you know. So that against this lineup is uh, is potentially dangerous, but. I think you can definitely get Bryce Elder's not that good. AJ Smith Shaver's not that good. Like this is a game you got to win because you got yeah. Spencer Strider in Game Four, and then Game Five. Who knows? Who knows what can happen if we even get that far? But um, Game now Game Five would a, probably a be what Wheeler. Same thing. Wheeler freed. You think? Wheeler? Yeah, probably. Um, and then I mean, obviously all hands will be on deck besides the guys that pitched in the game before. But even then, that's advantage Phillies. You know, Phillies have the advantage in probably what games one, two, four, and five. So, they, they, they just, obviously, this goes without saying, but they cannot lose game three and, you know, look at Strider in an elimination game against Ranger Suarez, who, I you know, I don't think he's awful or anything, but he only gave you three innings the first time. If that happens again, you know, yeah, they don't your trust bullpen him. might be taxed. Yeah, your bullpen might be taxed. So, uh, very interesting. It's going to be a very, very interesting series. I mean, listen, you get past the Braves, you probably think, like, wow, the, you know, the NL could be ours. Like, the, the Dimebacks are, you know, they're fun. They have young talent, but I just, they have no pitching outside of Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. And even Merrill Kelly, uh, you know, he's okay, but. He was fighting for his I life the other night, even even though they yeah. were up by a lot. It just, you could just tell, like, he he's a grinder, man. Like, it, it, his stuff isn't exactly the greatest. He's just kind of trying to nitpick the outside of the, 
the zone. I don't know. I my my buddy had him like six Ks the other night, and he was just fighting for his life to get those Ks. Yeah. And he never did. Uh, Zach Gallon pitching a playoff game in Jer- in Philly would be kind of cool since he's from South Jersey. Um, but I just I, I don't think I, I think Philly would have the advantage one million percent over the Diamondbacks. Not to say that they would cruise past them because it's anything could happen in the playoffs. Uh, when the Giants won their World Series, they were like 88, 86 win teams yeah. those seasons. So uh, truly, anything can happen. Look at the Phillies last year. They, fuck, I was like, ah, oh, the Padres are going to smoke the Phillies. Nope, nope. So, and also, even if the Dodgers did advance, I, you know, we're like a wounded animal at this point in the season. You know, yeah. so um, I'd almost rather if, play the Dodgers, like just because of that reason. Their pitching is not that good uh, yeah. at this point in the season, and like you said, like they just kind of. Broke down. They they are a great baseball team. They just kind of ran out of gas, and that's why I, f- I feel like the Braves, in some sense, are that they're just a little bit in better shape right now than the Dodgers are. Because I mean, you went through their starting pitching, and it's just not. It is not good, and it's yeah. And the diamond, like yeah, like it's right. It's all right there for the Phils. They just that's why uh, last night it was like it felt like it felt like the world was over. Really, like I I was heartbroken. I could not believe. It's just- that that like losing the way you lost. No, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like you had that game, and I'm just like I can't understand how like how we let that happen. It just it, it was. It, I'm telling you, man. I I was I was on I was on the watch, man. And you guys know what the watch is. It is. It was. It was tough. It was tough, man. I I don't um I don't feel good either. And that, that's a, the 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 thing I have a problem with now because people are like, well, you know, we got Nola going game three. We'll be all right. I'm like, well. Did you guys watch Nola pitch this season? Because, I mean, he had one good start against the Marlins, but that guy would pitch good three good innings, and then all of a sudden it'd become a home run derby in the middle of the game. You're like, wow. Yeah. Where you're out, like you know, you're out with your buddies, and you go look at your phone. It was four nothing. Now you look and it's five four, and you're watching Nola get taken out. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what happened? Like, what? How does it five four now? And you're just, no, here comes Jeff Hoffman into the game. So, um. Also, he throws a lot of pitches. Nola does. He tries to get K's, you know. So, the last thing you want to do is just absolutely burn through your bullpen again uh, before you know you face Spencer Strider. Strider can't say his name. Um, so it, it's definitely an uphill battle. Game three, game three is the one. They they got to come out here and just fucking score first. And they got to put up like a ten and, spot. Yeah, like it, it, I absolutely. think this game in the over is the lock. set the tone early. Shout out to the eight you know? ball. I think we I think we need the yeah. over play here. <laughs> I think my boy, my fellow uh, co-host in this podcast has pissed the eight ball off. So I am not yeah. with, uh, just so you know, eight ball, I am not, I don't fuck with my boy right here. All right. But yeah. I, I do, but I don't, you know, but I'm so sorry for saying the Cowboys are not that good. How, how dare I? Well, I, I do agree with you. What a hot take. I, I mean, I, I think the Cowboys are doo-doo trash meat, but it's, it is what it is. So uh, the world. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, uh, is that all we have, pretty much for the uh, for for the Phillies? I, I could probably sit here all day and talk about it, but doo doo trash me, doo doo trash um, me. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's probably it. Um, we'll see where we are come the end of the week. Um, it's going to be listen. The Dodgers, I'm already accepting that they're probably going to win Game Three, and people are going to be like, "Oh yeah, we're back," and then lose Game Four. So um, maybe, maybe we'll see. I, I either way, I don't really care. I, I shouldn't say I don't care, but. Um, I've kind of accepted my fate, uh, you know. I don't know. Let's go get Ot- let's go get Otani, even though he can't really pitch. But let's go get him anyway, because then eventually we we have to score runs on accident with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Shohei Otani at the top of our lineup. Um, Max Muncy, Will Smith too, like JD Martinez. Just oh man, 
He'll be in a, it's, it's like a wheelchair it's like an MLB, by then. Well, yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be like the guy in SpongeBob in a full body cast. So uh, we'll see with them. Um, I guess now we can pivot to the birds. How about them birds? They, they, one of their better performances of the season, I would say, against the uh, Rams. It wasn't necessarily like a dominant performance. It was a game that was, you know, close, but not all that close. It wasn't a game that you really thought they were in danger of losing. They, they take the win twenty-three to fourteen. Offense didn't play great, but the, it was a good to see the defense kind of come up big when they needed them. Couple of Hassan Reddick sacks on the last drive to. Kind of closed the game out. Uh, you know what also was cracking me up? Was that the the position of wide receiver in the NFL is so funny to me because Devontae Smith's like first game where he's like not really like producing and like he's got one catch. Well, at one I point didn't he, had, know he was playing. I know. I, he, at one point he had no catches. <laughs> that was weird. But like wide receiver is the only position in sports where like even if your team is winning, you're having like a fucking mental breakdown if you're not catching the leg, if no one's throwing you the ball. Like it is yeah. the most diva position in, in all of sports. Like these guys just. It never fails. It never fails. Really? AJ Brown's on the sideline. I'm like, bro, what's your problem? Then he gets forced by the rest of the game and he's all smiling and happy. It's like, yeah, why don't you just calm down? You know, you're fifth in the league in receiving yards. Just relax. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. You meanwhile, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cupper over there taking turns, dicking down Mario Goodrich. And it's like, they're all smiles. You know, nobody's really worried about that. And it, what bothered me is Cooper Cup was literally, they ran the same play every single yep. time. And it worked. It kept working. He didn't do much in the second half, but good God, man. Like, I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet, but it's early, it's, it's still early in the season. We have some guys that are going to be coming back. I mean, Avante Maddox is done, so that sucks. Um, our safeties are just, I, we're going to get Sidney Brown. He's going to look better as the year goes on. Hopefully he's been one of our better players in the limited time he's played. Um, so that's good. I think getting Justin Evans back will help. Uh, Bradley Groby looked, yeah, he gave up like two catches for negative two yards. So that's good. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to rely on any of these guys, but having them all play and all rotate in with Blankenship. The guy I'm really worried about is Darius Slay. He has just not looked good, man. It's, it's not that he looks like he's not trying. I think he's just lost a step. Uh, he's 32, 33. So that's not good. That is not good. I think we the, the middle of the field is such such a weak spot for us on defense. Like Nick Morrow has been great so far this year. I have really no complaints about him. But I'm looking at guys. I'm looking at Kaiser White, and T.J. Edwards. They're both still playing good this year for Except their respective that teams. Interception. Yeah. And then missing um, the fumble. No, yeah. Now, now I'm getting reminding all you were just reminding me of all the shit Nick Morrow did on fucking Saturday. Or I, wish, I wish we kept one of them, just one of the linebackers, <laughs> but now we have Zach Cunningham out there and he, you know, finally showed his age and looked just, he was, he was a step behind everywhere uh, against the Rams. And, um, you know, we don't have a slot corner We're we're Eli Ricks, I think in, in his limited time looked good. I think that's the, that's the guy you have to go to. Uh, if you're going to go with any of these reserve corners, Mario Goodrich, not it. Uh, who's the guy? Who's who's the other corner? The the week before that got absolutely slaughtered. Uh, Josh Job. Yep, Josh Job. So, no, those two just not, aren't the problem or aren't the uh, solution, I should say. Um, Hassan Reddick finally free of his cast. Got a couple sacks. Got a couple pressures. That was good to see. Josh Sweat also had a great game. Jalen Carter, great game. Uh, without Fletcher Cox, the D line looked good. Yeah. Um, again, my issue is Darius Slay because I think he is, you know, he is cornerback one. He is going, he is our our uh, answer for other teams' top top option. 
And um, he just hasn't been there this year, man. He just has not been there. I'm going to try to find some of his stats now. Um, I mean, his grades all across the board are just low. He's given up 30, 27 catches on 38 targets, 71 receiving percentage. Last year was at 55. I was going to say, huge, yeah, that's huge dip. Uh, he's already given up 318 yards in coverage this year. Last year alone, 559. The year before that, 489. So he's approaching, uh, you know, he's approaching that territory. He's almost given up as much yak this year as he did the last two years. He's already given up two touchdowns. He only has one pick, only has one PBU. His passer rating when targeted, 103. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not saying that he's washed and he's cooked, but he's getting old. And what happens when quarterbacks get old? They just pretty much fall off a cliff, you know? So that's my issue. That is my number one issue. I really want us to go out there and trade for, like, I don't know, Justin Simmons, Buda Baker. Um, who's the other fellow that I can't think of? Not not, sure. We're, we're not going to get Patrick Sertan, but it would be no. nice to get a, a good quality DB from a team that's that sucks. You know, like Harrison Smith, go scoop up Harrison Smith from the Vikings, or I don't know. But I think we 100%. I know NFL teams don't really make huge trades. I say that as Van Jefferson just got traded, like just now. Did he really? Um, yeah, to the Falcons. Um, but I think there has to be, there has to be a move that's made. And I'm not talking about signing Bradley Groby. That's a cool little band aid. But if we want to be, I mean, listen, listen, the Niners have are just tearing up teams. Like I'm not saying they're better than us, like a lot of people are saying. But they're going to be a formidable opponent, man. Like Brock Purdy, you know, maybe his elbows not going to be you know minced meat this year. Maybe he will be able to throw it against us. And I just have some issues with our passing defense. Not as a whole. I think we can kind of, you know, we 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 are so good up front that we can kind of mask some of those issues. But there's gonna be a time where you know Darius Slay has to make a stop, has to has to defend Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, or uh, CD Lamb. Probably not. Uh, somebody, somebody else in, in the NFC has to step up. I'm not sure who, but I think we need to go out there and trade for a, a, a DB. I, I don't know who, you know, but I think we need to go out there and definitely get somebody. I think the. I mean, there's always. It seems like every week it's something different. Like the defense play, like the they stop the run. Like that's that's it was the good thing. And Jay, like you said, Jalen Carter. I mean, talk about an absolute steal at number ten. He's insane. He's been absolutely incredible. How about but, the Raiders taking Tyree Wilson? Guy has like one pressure all year, and yeah. Jalen Carter has like fifteen or twenty already. The only highlight I've seen of him is Keenan Allen just. Chipping him at the line and destroying him, and then calling yeah. using Carter's some uh, some some funny language towards him to let him know <laughs> that he is soft as shit, basically. So, uh, I would say, like, I, I mean, obviously, it's concerning that Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua were able to just run wild. I mean, Cooper Cup caught like the first six passes from Stafford on uh, Sunday. It just Seemed like nobody was even near him, and like you said, like they had Mario Goodrich out there in one-on-one coverage, and I saw a couple Bradley Roby's card in uh, Cooper Cup. Like they were finding those matchups. They were they were running a little bit of motion and switching up the coverage yeah. and stuff. It was it was not good. I saw a couple Bradberries where he was about five yards behind Puka down the field. It's he gave up the touchdown. So uh, yeah, so I think Puka. Yeah, he's he's another one. He's not young. Like he's no. gonna slow down. He he might fall off a cliff this year. You know, like. They're, having both your top corners being in their 30s is fucking bad. It's like having a top defenseman, a defense uh, pair in, in hockey, both being in their 30s. They're just losing a step in the most crucial spot where you need speed, agility, acceleration, 
just that that explosiveness out of somebody to keep up with another receiver. Like, what happens if we, uh, you know, what happens when we play the Dolphins? Who's going to cover Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I don't that, even want to think about that. So, is that next week? Uh, yeah. Well, so we play the Jets this week, and then next week is the Kelly Green Dolphins game. So, oh, I'm not uh, saying the Sunday Dolphins night like, football. You know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a spectacle. Yeah, is that in Miami or is that in it's Philly? in Philly? It's in Philly. Okay, um, that's gonna be a great game. Um, I am a little nervous because the Dolphins have insane speed. We will probably miss Devon A. Chain, so that's good. We'll see about Waddle. He's almost always hurt. I'm not worried. I think we can get to Tua and possibly, you know, bang him up for a little bit. Maybe custom. I'm just kidding. But come on. I think I'm just saying. I think we can definitely. Uh, make, no, we can definitely get, get to him now. We can give him happy feet. He used to have happy feet, Bama, all the time when things didn't didn't go the way they were supposed, to, especially against LSU. So I'm not that worried about him. But man, Tyree Kill. I mean, you can just you know have me out there. Just throw just throw the ball up a little bit somewhere, and then he'll go get it. So. That kind of worries me. The Jets, does, the Jets game does not worry me. We we usually win that game. It is in New York. It could be a down spot since we have the Dolphins the next week. Um, I think we every should game run them over tough. though. We should. We absolutely should. But uh, you know, we should have ran over know. the Commanders. Yeah, that's true. And, and the Patriots. Look how look how fucking sad the goddamn Patriots look right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're getting blown out every single week. That goes to show you, Bill. <laughs> It wasn't Bill, it was Tom. So that that's all yeah. that's all you need to know out there, ladies and gentlemen. System quarterback, I thought. Yeah. It was good to see Dallas Goddard get going this uh, game though. Uh, that's something yeah. that I mean, they obviously came out with the intention to go really just feed him and they did. Uh it was good to see DeAndre Swift kind of getting active in the pass game too. It's not something really the Eagles yep. do, which is kind of dump it off to the back. I mean, he didn't really do a lot, but it was just good to see like him getting some touches and getting the ball. They ran the ball with with pretty much ease. Aaron Donald, I didn't even know he was out there for half the time. He really was doing Absolutely. nothing. Yeah, he didn't do uh, – I, I think somebody at one point was like, yeah, we're noticing Jalen Carter is looking like uh, Aaron Donald out here while Aaron Donald isn't doing anything. I think he had a uh, – yeah, he had a, a pro football focus grade of 61, just you know, very not great. His, his pass rushing grade was a 49, yeah. Aaron Donald. So we really shut him down. He had one total pressure uh, compared to you know Zach Van Valkenburg had three. Uh, Byron Young had four. Ernest Jones had four. Like we, we, we really. Byron Young looked good. Byron, yeah, he did look good, and so did um that one that one fucker. He was all over the field. I think it was Van Valkenburg, but um yeah, we did. I mean, shut down Aaron Donald I, again. He's starting to get older, but he's still a fucking beast. Uh, maybe you can't. Maybe you don't have to triple team him anymore. But either way, we shut him down. We did what we had to do. Got the W, and um, I, I do, I do have concerns. But I do think we are the best team in the league. I will, I will stay, I will stand on top of that hill. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see like uh, I saw what's his name, uh, your boy Stephen A. Smith did his like top five uh, power rankings, and we were number two. And I think that that's fair. Yeah, well, like I, I mean, I, I don't think like I, after what the the Forty ers just did to the Cowboys, I don't see why you couldn't yeah. put them ahead, but. I mean, we're gonna fit, like at the end of the day, the power rankings and all don't really matter. We will play them. They're gonna come to our rankings. crib, and we're gonna take care. We're gonna take care of business. All right. That's yeah. I I see a lot of people now are trying to knight Brock Purdy as like the, you know, he's gonna like he's an MVP candidate and whatnot. Like, I don't see that. I really don't. I mean, he had one good game, uh, you know, th- this past week against the Cowboys, and everyone's freaking out. He's been good, but. Yeah, he's still just a. He's. I mean, I. He's a game manager. That's all. He, I mean, yeah. he has 
the best team around him. And I know people are like, well, Jalen Hurts has a great team around him. Like, it's not in comparison to the weapons that the 49ers have. It's really not. It's, I mean, they have a better running back. They have a better tight end. They have, you know, Ayuk and Samuel, which is, you know, not, I don't think it's better than what the Eagles have, but it's it's not all that, all that far off. I mean, yeah. and they have just as good of an offensive line, you know, if not better. It's, and they probably have one of the best offensive minds in Shanahan. Exactly. We, and, you know, I, I'm not saying our, I think our offense looked a lot better this week, play calling wise. I think Brian Johnson's, you know, learning as he's going, but obviously you're, you're going to trust Shanny. And there's a little 100%. bit of a thing going on right now that people don't know who's calling the plays for. I know like there, there was kind of like a discussion whether it was Sirianni that kind of took over the play calling again because yeah. things were so bad uh, on the offense, you know, in the offensive uh, department. But I don't know. I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying not to get too uh, too worked up over a team that's still five and zero. And they they <laughs> yeah. really, I mean, they've been in some close ones. But like I said last week. I'd rather them be in close games as opposed to last year when they were never really in a close game. And then, you know, the, the, it, when they were, it just seemed like it didn't go our way. It just, you know, or we have razor thin games against the, uh, the Colts and stuff like that, where, you know, we were going to win no matter what. I mean, they scored 10 fucking points and yada, yada. I just am worried that the defensive coordinator and like the, the new offensive coordinator and some of these little, mistakes and we're just we don't seem as crisp and as good as we were last year which you know which is not to say we can't be that later on in the season but right now we're not there yet so it's just yeah we have to you. see them grow and get there uh but yeah shout out to jordan mylotta i just really give him his flowers i feel like a, a lot of people give him the credit he deserves i uh, i probably have not so i want to say a shout out to jordan mylotta he was drafted in what seventh very end of the seventh round yep playing rugby in australia and uh, Jeff Stalin, what a fucking absolute monster of a coach he is. He is rated as the second highest tackle in football behind only Trent Williams, who was like a goddamn, you know, he has a lot of anger issues. Yeah. He's a fucking cheap motherfucker, and I hate him, but he is an – you can't get past him. No. He is an absolute – one of the best left ta- tackles ever. And Jordan Mailata is right there with him per, per pro football focus. He's not – he's given up one sack. No quarterback hits, ten hurries. He Jordan Mailata has been amazing. He's also been amazing in the run game. So shout out to the entire O line. Landon Dickerson played his ass off this week. Jason Kelsey has been formidable. He's been solid. Lane Johnson has been solid. I have no issues with any of any of the O line. And like you said, Dallas got hit him go. He had like sixty yards after the catch. Huge to get him involved and see him look good. Because other than that, at tight end, we uh, we don't have anybody. So and we also don't have a wide receiver three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Quez. You know, again. Uh, just blast his ass into the sun. That's why I tweeted that out. Uh, on yeah, I mean, Sunday, this, that, I mean, that run, the end around was yeah. Well, it's like they run that screenplay, and it's just like go go forward. Like, but he's so scared to kind of get contacted that he just took it and ran it out of bounds. You saw uh, Sirianni just flipping out on Sunday. I, I yeah. think it was at Brian Johnson or whoever, but it was just. I mean, it's probably more of why are we running that to Quez Watkins as opposed to yeah. somebody else that will actually get up the field and make a else. fucking play. But, yeah, uh, l- listen, at the end of the day, like we said, the Eagles are 5-0. and That's the right number, right? 5-0? and I think we're five weeks. Yes. Yeah, 5-0. and uh, I think they're going to be 6-0. and I think they will take care of the Jets. We'll talk more about that on Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure which one we're going to do. But, uh yeah, no, I, I, I do feel good. And the same problems that we talked about before just persist. You know, they need to clean up the secondary, and uh, they need to clean up the defense a little bit, and it was just good to see them move the ball a little bit. They ran for, you know, 160-plus, so 
Uh, I would like to see a little bit less running from our uh, uh, quarterback, but I'm not going to get too worked up about that. So, uh, Kyron Johnson going to the uh, Steelers, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, all right. Who cares? Uh, all right. <laughs> so, Sixers, I guess, would be the next on the docket, unfortunately. Uh, your boy, James Harden. Uno. He's back. Uh, he's back. He came to training camp. Because uh, money was on the line, so he made sure he's uh, his ass showed up. And uh, all talk, know. huh? Yeah, Not making everybody's life miserable and and, and being uh, you know whatever else he was gonna do, he's gonna come in like Mussolini and tell everybody to go fuck themselves. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> he shows up, shows up, he's all buddy buddy with everybody. Let's take some jumpers, guys. You know, fucking pathetic. It was just so sad all off season, all off season. He wanted to force his way to the Clippers. Nope, didn't happen. All right, so uh, I'll force my way uh, not to Philly. I would just won't show up, and then he shows up. So, you know, NBA players are truly, truly the biggest divas, the biggest attention seekers. That's all they are. That's all they care about is attention. It's all they want. They want clout, and they want attention. They'll, they'll all bang the same Instagram models. They'll all do the same thing. It's just very frustrating. And, and now we're in a situation where it's like, great, we got Harden back, but now what? Yeah, it's a weird culture, though. The whole NBA is just weird. It's, it's weird. But now I look at our team and, you know, Joel Embiid is uh, is, is choosing a country to represent, like a high school recruit chooses a school. You know, he's got five hats on the table. He's like, all right, which one am I going to choose? Then we got Harden coming back. Uh, we, we signed Kelly Oubre. It's our big acquisition in the offseason. He shoots like two of eight in the first game, first uh, preseason game. So I, I just don't know what we are as a team. So I guess we'll have to see how Nurse kind of gets these guys to play and play together and, you know, implement his system and his style. And hopefully he can, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's been really dealt the best hand. I think Daryl Morey, a lot of people took Harden's side cause he kind of, you know, was publicly bashing Daryl Morey. I mean, he had a whole neon sign in a strip club, but yeah, I don't, I don't like, I, I can't really stand here and say, I don't think Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey is not a liar. I, I, he I probably is. Think he's a liar. Yeah, He absolutely is. There's no reason he should be. I and mean, look where he is. You know, you don't get, to where you are in life, like where he is, and not be kind of a bit of a, a, a truth stretcher, if you will. And he just hasn't really gotten us a good team, a, a, a you know, an all around a, a deep team. He leveraged all of our draft picks to sign his guys from Houston, and that got us in trouble. And those guys aren't good. Um, and now we have a disgruntled James Harden. We don't know what's going on with Embiid. He's you know making excuses, and he's like twenty nine, thirty. So um, I, I don't know. I, I have no expectations. I think they should probably win like forty something games. I guess I don't know. I have, I don't know what to expect. Forty eight to if, like fifty two. That's my prediction right now. It's just because if anybody gets hurt for an extended period of time in the starting lineup, we're fucked. They're fucked. And then we saw Tob- Tobias Harris is still. I feel like he's been a sixer for like thirty years. It it, it feels like that, dude. And. Uh, the, I guess the the thing with James Harden though, it seems like there's like kind of a secret under the table agreement that they're trying to move him. That's what it seems like the yeah. excitement level from him has gotten, where he's like showing up, I guess, yeah, and he's like, all right, like you know, I'm here, baby, like let's go. And I think he knows though, but even if they don't though, Ty, like that he knows he can't really be the drama queen problem starter that he really wants to be. He's not 27 anymore, you know, like he no. can't his. Good graces and his like cre- he's running low on credit in the uh, you know in the NBA circle or you know in the NBA space because people really aren't willing to put up with his shit anymore. They he's not that good anymore. Like he's still good. He's still no. okay. He's like 
he's like I don't want to say mediocre, but he's like above average. But he's just he's not that player anymore. So you can't really cause those problems and you know bring the drama that you bring if you're not going to be a 25, 26, 27 points per game and be an all NBA player. He's not that anymore. I mean, he's a you know he doesn't really uh, play all that hard for the most for the, for the good portion of the season. He kind of is in neutral it seems where I've we begged for him to score basically all last year it was kind of like a uh, Ben Simmons without the defense I've, I've called him that a few times where there's situations where he just doesn't want to shoot and he can't like that step back doesn't have the same life behind it because at some point during the season a hamstring a calf a quad there's something that goes wrong with his legs where now all of a sudden he's not the same guy anymore and he can't, you know, he can't really get the leverage or he can't push off like he used to and yada, yada, yada. The man's what, 34 years old now? 33, 34 years old? He's no spring chicken. Doesn't exactly treat his body the greatest. You know, he's not uh, he's not exactly on the LeBron, uh, Tom Brady level of uh, body maintenance, you, you should say. But listen, he... We saw what he is. We all know what he is. Uh, we all, when we traded Ben Simmons, I'd have traded Ben Simmons for anybody. So there was a reason that James Harden was available in a trade for him. It's because they are, he he is not that player either. He's not that player that's going to push you to the next level. We got him. He was good. He, in some ways, made Embiid better. In some ways, made the rest of the team worse because... He is a guy who holds the ball for 17 seconds of a shot clock most of the time and has no idea how to play off the ball. So, uh, you know, we could go over that all, all day long. We could sit, I could sit here and shit on James Harden all I want, but at the end yeah. of the day, him and Joel Embiid laid an egg in Game 7, and they, they went yeah. to sleep in, in the last six minutes of Game <laughs> 6. So And then made excuses. Well, both of them did, you know? And, and now Embiid's kind of just, like, asleep at the wheel, it seems. Uh, like... They they are they're interviewing him and it just seems like oh well you know like he doesn't it doesn't seem like he gives a fuck anymore that's yeah. that's the vibe I get from him and I I really don't I don't think he cares because he won his MVP and unfortunately I think he's realized he's probably not he doesn't have what it takes to win a championship and I know that's kind of a mean thing to say but it's just my thoughts from watching this guy for what uh, almost almost ten years now ten? Yeah, yeah eight six seven years now it's. He doesn't have that next level, that extra gear, that kind of where he just takes over and dominates a big-time game to push them to the next round. He can do it against the Raptors, Nets, and whoever you want in the first round, but once the second round rolls around, he gets the, you know, got Al Horford's decrepit ass guarding him. He turns into, you know, Nikola Jovic as, as opposed to Nikola Jokic. So it's, uh, it is a rough, rough situation. Like you said, I mean, the only... Good thing is that maybe Maxi will be better this year, but I have such yeah. negative feelings towards the Sixers that I don't care. Who's, who really cares if Maxi plays better than he has in recent years or he he grows as a player? Is that going to push them to the conference finals? That's all I fucking care about, and it's not. Yeah, well, listen, when, when Tyrese Maxi's three ball isn't uh, isn't going down and you're like, hey, let's swing it to Danny Green, that's <laughs> when I'm going to probably change the channel because I can't watch Danny Green anymore. That was like two years ago, so... I can't imagine he's gotten better. Uh, we also, you know, Mo Bamba, he's our backup center. That That's probably not going to work. Um, that's it. <laughs> hey, uh, Montrez Howell, didn't he tear his ACL? Yeah, he's out. Oh, man. Thanks not that I was looking forward to watching him play, but yeah. um, 
you know, Paul Reed's listed as a small forward and he plays backup center minutes for us. So I will, I will say one thing, uh, Jane Springer in the preseason game looked awesome. Uh, he met Jason Tatum at the rim. Saw that. that was nasty. Yeah. Um, made, made both, both of his threes, uh, scored some points. So I think, you know, maybe all the seasonings he, he's had in the G league and whatnot, maybe he, uh, maybe he can take a step forward. It's, it, we really need it badly to get like a nice young athletic defensive stalwart, 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 stalwart. Yeah, close know. enough. Uh, some uh, a defensive guru, if you will, kind of like a, what Matisse Thibel was, you know, supposed to be in theory, uh, great defensively, and maybe can give you something on offense and not hit the side of the rim, side of the backboard. I'm sorry, Crazy. every time he hits a shoots a corner three. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, like I said, very athletic. I know it's just one preseason game, but I think he has definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot about confidence with him, and I think he has a decent game. So we will see. He's, you know, I guess he's kind of what Zaire Smith was supposed to be, if that makes sense. You know, a, a small, bouncy, athletic guard that can defend multiple positions and give us maybe, hopefully, uh, a nice, decent outside jumper. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, Nick Nurse, I think, you know, should be able to mold him into an OG Ananobi type player, yeah, if you will. Um, other than that, I, you know, I, I'm looking at the roster and I'm like, oh man, Corkmoss, Daniel House. Uh, Danny Green, the usual suspects are out there, man. TJ Tucker, you know Kelly Oubre, D'Anthony Melton's like, you know Patrick Beverly. Yay, we got Patrick Beverly. Like I've hated Patrick Beverly his whole career. He talks shit and he isn't really good. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be much better now at his advanced age. You know, so um, there you go. Yeah, and it seems like they are just light years behind the Celtics and the Bucks and teams of that uh, nature. Uh, who else would be better than the Sixers this year? I don't really. Um, Everyone. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm just saying in the East. Uh, maybe they're the, the third best team in the East. I don't know. Are the Raptors going to be better than them this year? I doubt it. Um, uh, but the Hawks, maybe. Celtics, Bucks, Knicks. Uh, no. Cavs. Yeah, like see, that's the thing. Like the East, if you really look at it, it's not. It is not that good. So uh, I'm not all that worried about them making the playoffs or whatever, or you know having that first home series. It's just we're in the same pattern every single fucking year, man. And I really, I'm tired of getting all worked up about it or getting excited about them. I was all in on them last year, and they, you know, they again broke my heart. The only thing. That could really shake things up as a hardened trade for someone of value, or they make a move that kind of just shakes everything up, and they get you know maybe move Tobias and somebody else. But like we've talked about, they keep prioritizing uh, you know cap space for twenty twenty four, and uh, I, I really uh, Siakam and, and the boys don't really get me excited. I don't think that's gonna propel this team to a championship. So there's that. Um, you know, unfortunately I have, uh, some things I have to talk about now that I, you know, I was running low on energy here. I, I used a, you know, an awful lot so far on my Phillies and whatnot, but now we're here to talk about some college football tie. Um, quickly wanted to get over my thoughts on the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Uh, my, my team that I have lived and died with Mult died, died multiple times with, and now we are at a point in my Notre Dame fandom where I am the closest I've ever been to kind of just stepping away from not just being a fan, but just kind of 
taking them seriously. And I know that's a little bit of a wild statement, but it, it's it's the truth. I mean, we are now on our, I mean, fourth or fifth coach since I've been alive. Uh, really the third coach since I've been a serious fan. It was Charlie Weiss, then it was Brian Kelly, and now it's Marcus Freeman. And I think Marcus Freeman, from what he's shown me so far, is just not fit for this high level of a job. He, it, I... They lost that Ohio State game. That was a very, you know, that was a battle. And it was a close game. And they lost by, you know, with one, none, no time on the clock. And it took 60 minutes for Ohio State to kind of just steal that game from you. And, all right, listen, I can live with that. That is, That's okay. You go play Duke. You know, Duke isn't exactly uh, Ohio State. But, you know, they were still ranked. They're still going into their house. And you, you win that game, you know, and it takes a miracle pretty much for you to uh, win that game. And then the video after that comes out of the, the their like final drive, they have like the, the headsets mic'd up, I guess. And they're talking, you know, they ha- you ha- hear all the coaches talking. And these guys the whole time, Ty, are talking about, let's just get a field goal here. Let's just, you know, let's Ugh. just get down there. Let's get a field goal. You know, let's uh, all we need is three. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. And there's only one guy that's like, Hey guys, we should figure out a play to run when we're going for two. Like that's the only one guy was just like, Hey, what's our best like zone play? They're going to run zone on the goal line. What's our best play to run? Even they run down that whole drive. You know, Hartman picks up those 16 or 19 yards on that fourth and 19, which is incredible. And then they get up and they're, they're going to, they, their first play, like I think they called timeout or something. And then they're just like, it's not like, hey, let's try to score a touchdown here. It's let's tie this game, you know, or let's let's. Uh, I I don't I don't even remember what the score was. I think it was like a one point. So they probably would have won the game if they kicked a field goal. But it's just more like trusting a college kicker to win you a football game is Never. the most asinine thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Especially the kicker that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have right now, who not bad, but he's just not. You can't trust this man. So. They cut, like that just screams coward to me. Uh, all of them. They're all just we're looking for the easy way out of this game, and Estime saves them from that. They come into Louisville is coming. You know, we go to Louisville the next week, and we get absolutely blown out by the Louisville Cardinals in their cardinal. house. The Cardinal, the one Cardinal. There's only one Cardinal that just, they're playing for. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I mean. <laughs> I can't think of something. I mean, there's obviously been some embarrassing losses for my Irish. I mean, that they lost to Marshall bad, last year. So, yeah. I can't get all that worked up in, in that sense. We are Marshall. What a great movie. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. I, I, I was going to say, was that McConaughey? McConaughey was the head coach. I would have yeah. went in the battle behind him, man. He's, you could just tell, he even if he does, just he's don't... like an Al Pacino kind of head football coach. Right? Yeah. I don't know anything about the X's and O's, but I sure know how to <laughs> motivate these boys. But, um... Yeah, listen, it's, you know, you had Sam Hartman. He's 36 years old. You know, you were hoping that you would get good play out of an older quarterback like him, and he comes in and throws an absolute egg up. You know, just. Oh, man. He was throwing picks left and right on, on Saturday night. It This was a game Tom where I, I had one eye on, 13. where I'm like, I was watching. It, it, it was a close game, and then I think halftime is where I was really able to lock in because that's when the Phillies game got done. And it was just—I wish I hadn't paid attention to it. Uh, they just was the final score was thirty-three to twenty, and Sam yeah. Hartman throws three picks. 
I mean, we can't run the ball. Estime has 10 carries for 20 yards. Our offensive line is just getting bullied. We really have no weapons on the outside. So I guess I just don't know what the vision is here or where or like what are they going to do next year? Because, I, I mean, they are favorites at home against USC. I, I, I mean, I get the whole idea of there being trap lines. I don't know if this is a trap line or if this is just a, uh, you know, I don't get it. So maybe it is a yeah. trap line. But I am going to have a mega nuclear uh, megalodon play on this uh, on the old uh, Trojans, and I hate the I hate USA. I hate Caleb Williams. Yeah. But I have zero faith in Notre Dame anymore, and I think you know that they just the offensive coordinator is horrible. They're going to have to fire him at the end of the year. That I know they'll they'll do. You know there was uh, you probably people out here probably think I'm just like blabbering around, but. You know, I'm all in on these uh, the Irish. The Irish brought an offensive coordinator in last year, who they were going to hire. Gerard Parker. No, yeah, but they, no, they brought they brought in another one from another school that who he had a contract. But the the Irish, the 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 administration and the 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 athletic department decided they weren't going to pay the buyout for the offensive coordinator that the head coach wanted. So instead, they had to go in house and get Gerard Parker, who was like a tight yeah. ends coach. Before this, something like something along those lines, and not looking good. They lose their strength coach. I'm pretty sure they lost like an offensive line coach because I don't think I really do not think that the administration gives a fuck about football anymore. They don't they don't take it serious anymore. And if that's the case, then I don't know if you can hear me. That's me washing my hands of these guys yeah. then because I don't I don't have to, like I didn't go to the school. I don't have to fucking sit here and live through this. I'll pick another team where they actually care about winning national championships and I'll root for them. I don't really care. It, I didn't want to be like the Marcus Freeman hire was like a now it seems like looking back like it was a, a it's still like like the hire. It's like a I think he's a young coach who kind of needs some guidance. But, you know, and he has an Al Golden in there. Like although that's it's Al Golden, but at least that guy has been a head coach of a, you know, a major program before. It didn't exactly go well, but he still at least has some experience. He needs some guidance, and he needs somebody, especially on the offensive side of the ball, who can really take over things and do what needs to be done. They had Tommy Rees last year, but now he's Alabama's problem. They just there's just some there's really just a lack of I don't even know. There's no urgency. No one really cares. It seems it's just only the fans do. The rest of these people are just like, well, you know, they're still ranked. They still have a good team. The Trojans are coming in. They're favorites. It is what it is. You know, it's it's just tough. But um, what do what do you what do you make of the whole? It also so it appears that their OC that they had lined up was Colin Klein, who um, obviously I don't know if you remember he used to play oh, yeah. at, uh, Kansas State. He was a fucking he was like he was, <laughs> I'll say this uh, as best I can. He was like a a, a poorer version, but also on a much worse team uh, like Tim Tebow. Yeah, I guess is. Is what I would say. Now I think Colin Klein is. I believe he is the. Um, I think he's the coach of. I think he's the OC at Kansas State where he played. So, you know, obviously they they had a chance to get him, and you know whatever happened, I guess the uh, they didn't want to pony pony up the money. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be hard, I think, for uh, Notre Dame to really have sustained levels of, of success in football at the top 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 level when you know you're requiring a certain GPA and then the athletic uh, office and the university doesn't want to pay buyouts. Like these are things you have to do. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but like, I mean, you guys aren't, it's not like Notre Dame university is, is is struggling for money, you know? So 
Uh, you know, you got to pony those things up. And when Sam Hartman goes out there and, and turns the ball over five times against a, you know, a team who was in year one of their rebuild with Jeff Brom and Jack, uh, Jack Plummer, like this isn't how the season was supposed to go for Louisville. I mean, I, they're pretty solid. Their defense is good. They have some, um, they have some decent playmakers on offense. Jawar Jordan's a stud at running back. Uh, Jamari Thrash, pretty solid receiver too. And, Jack Plummer is just like a, a game manager, but he knows the Jeff Brom system from Purdue. So he went out, got him from Cal. I, I you know, I just was very shocked that this is what Notre Dame is going to look like after, you know, two tough games. But this might just be what their offense is because you look at the first uh, four games of the year, they were scoring 40 a game. Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Michigan. But then the schedule flipped to Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, Pitt, Clemson, Wake Forest, Stanford. I'm not saying that some of those teams are going to be, you know, they should smoke Pitt, they should smoke Stanford and, and Wake Forest, but then you got to go at Clemson. And then, like you said this week, they're home against Notre Dame, uh, USC. Like That's that's going to be a fucking bruising, bruising game. It's going to be very tough to keep uh, the athletes that USC has in check. But um, especially Caleb Williams, you give him any time out there, he, he makes magic happen. So I... <laughs> I'm with you. I think USC wins. I don't. I don't understand this I don't one. See maybe why they it's would. A, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a trap. Like they have a home game against Utah next week, but uh, I, the Notre Dame is, is a much bigger rivalry or a game that you wake up for over Utah, especially if, if Cameron Rising isn't playing again. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar way with LSU. Like you know, I, I, I like what we have. We're not awful. We're not bad. We're good. A lot of teams would rather be where where we are. You know, we would much rather trade spots in a second like if, you know we're talking to a uf fan or a vandy fan or whoever the fuck but there's there's just uh there's a standard for certain schools notre dame's gonna be at the notre dame's one of the most uh you know prestigious programs ever lsu not maybe not ever because we didn't really have success uh, before the 90s really before the 2000s that much um but but in the modern era we're you know one of the the bigger programs we have three national championships in our lifetime so uh in the in the last 20, 30 years we're up there and, uh, you know, things are just aren't there yet. You know, it, it's crazy that we were at our highest point with Ed Orgeron. So, uh, Brian Kelly has a lot of work to do, but he, you know, he knows what he's doing. I think, uh, the problem I think I, I have with him is he just doesn't make great hires. You know, I, I did love the Marcus Freeman hire, right? He hired Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, right? Yeah. As the DC. And then he took over for him. So, yes. Uh, he definitely needs to make a brand new hire on the defensive side for LSU because our D, our D coordinator. I mean, we have our D lines lining up like a yard or two off the ball. Like, what the fuck? How does that even happen? There's like a gap between us and the O line. You're supposed to be right there on the line at their face. Um, and we're just, I don't know how you see that. And you're like, yeah, I mean, listen, anytime an NFL coach leaves the NFL to come to college, unless he was like, an analyst and now he's stepping up to be a, a coordinator like how Joe Brady came to LSU with not much experience, but he was in the NFL just kind of getting his feet wet. And then he became the OC at LSU. Then he went back to the NFL. Unless it's like that. You don't take a linebackers coach from the NFL and be like, Hey, you can be our college D DC. That's probably not going to work. And that didn't work here. I mean, one time we took Cam Cameron from the, the NFL, he was like the worst OC and we're like, Hey, he could do it in college. Nope. Didn't work. So uh, it's really all about the coaches you hire. I feel like Marcus Freeman doesn't have a good staff or maybe the staff that he wants maybe at Notre Dame, you know? So, 
yeah, just uh, you just got to get the personnel in there that is is needed to win a national championship. And uh, I don't think either of our programs are are there. For the record, uh, the one story that I was talking about the the offensive coordinator they had they brought him to a hockey game and everything. Like they had him there, like meeting with everyone. It was, his name was Andy Ludwig from uh, Utah, and his. There he had go. a $2.8 million buyout clause in his three-year rollover contract with the University of Utah, which proved to be too rich for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, he's done well over there for what he has, like, nothing, you know, exactly. really there. Um, so, yeah, Notre Dame got, got to pony up the money, guys. Yep. Come on. And, uh, yeah, so and that's the thing that just – it's you're not a serious team then because I think Alabama would have – 100% paid that Georgia anywhere else in the country who takes football yeah. seriously, they would have paid it. So I, I really, and I rarely say this, but I really do hope that Notre Dame gets their doors blown off this week. Uh, just to kind of really drive home how far away they are. Cause I, I think if they, if this is a close game, they lose, they're like, well, we're, we're right there. We had a couple, you know, close games. We slipped up against Louisville, but uh, you know, we're right there. We're right there, but no, we're not, we're really not though. So I think that's um, apparent, and I think I, I really hope that it kind of gets driven home this weekend by Caleb Williams doing it in our house. Uh, the top four teams in the country, though, it seems pretty set in stone, the Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, right? And then uh, after yeah, that... Yeah, I just... I, I have a lot of concerns with Florida State. I think this is going to be an open year. Like, OU made a huge move. I think, okay, now I can kind of take them serious. I still have issues with their defense, I never thought Texas was that good. I'm not a big Quinn Ewers fan. I do like Washington. I just think the Pac-12 is going to like kind of you know cannibalize itself. I think Washington, Oregon play this week. That's going to be a huge game. Uh, winner of that is pretty much in control of their destiny for the rest of the season. Um, I, I think FSU is going to slip up. I, I do. I think Ohio State also might slip up. I think that Michigan Ohio State game obviously is going to be amazing. I do like Michigan. They haven't played anybody, but, you know, whatever. You, you play who you play, and then you, you deal with them accordingly, right? When you fight somebody who's 0-10, you have to knock them out the first round. Jay Ellis, that's what you're supposed to do. Shout out, Jay. Um, shout out, Jay Ellis. Always has to sneak in a, yep. a nice Jay Ellis Look reference. Them up. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're handling all these teams as they should. So they have Indiana this week. They're going to you know, beat the brakes off them. They have Michigan State next week. Should beat the brakes off them. Then Purdue, I mean, man, their schedule is really – Really pathetic. Other than Penn State and Michigan, they, uh, Ohio State, they have nobody. So yeah. I think Georgia Georgia looks good. I, Georgia's probably fine. Um, I think a sneaky a sneaky team could be UNC because they don't really play anybody. You know, there's only a, a team or two that they have to beat. They've looked good. They looked good last week coming off of um, I think it was Syracuse. People thought Syracuse was going to be the upset pick. Yeah, that didn't work. Um, I mean, maybe Louisville. Maybe Louisville can make it interesting. They don't have a crazy schedule. Uh, they do have Duke this week. That's going to be tough. And they have Miami, uh, who, by the way, I mean, is that the worst loss in, like, football history that Miami oh, suffered this man, week? Oh, man, how great was that? I, I mean, I had my Miami friend hit me up. Shout out to T-Mons. Uh, like, yeah, like, oh, Irish on, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Well, upset watch? And I'm, like, basically, like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't want to hear yeah. this right now. Georgia Tech. And then I'm, like, wait a second. I go tune into their game, and I'm, like, wait. What an absolute fucking meltdown that is. I mean, you run the ball for no reason, and he's still claiming that the guy's elbow was down, which, who cares? Well, he was. Yeah, well, but who cares? He who lost. cares? <laughs> yeah. They lost. You know what happens when you kneel the ball? You don't fumble. Yeah. Um, I, I, why, a, that, did they say why they did that? Um, 
me see if I can find a crystal ball. I, I don't. I think Mario crystal ball. I mean, there, listen. After something like that, you kind of have to just tuck tail and stay inside for like a week. You know, you, there's nothing you can do. But I think uh, it looks like somebody's trying to do lip reading, and he tells the OC you might want to kneel it out here. Oh, that's boy. what somebody said. But you can't. You're the head coach. There was a time before when he was at Oregon where he refused to kneel out the clock, and. Um, a couple times, actually. One time they were up like 34-6, and they're just running the ball when they could run the clock out. And the commentators were confused. The commentators in this game, I think it was Jesse Palmer, it could have been, uh, or Brock Osweiler, it was one of them. They were like, I don't I don't understand what they're doing. It's third and 15. All you have to do is kneel at once, and the game is legitimately over. It's not like you're giving them three seconds, six seconds. No, it's over. It's over. The fat lady is singing. And he's like, I'm very confused. I don't, I don't get this decision here. They run it and they get stripped. And you know, everybody's going to go for the ball because what else are you going to do? So you have obviously people are going to shit on the kid for fumbling. And I get it. You can't fumble that situation. You have to just just go down or something, you know. But and he was down technically. Um, but that is on the head coach who got a 10 year, 80 million dollar contract to leave Oregon to come all the way to Miami and tell all these kids like, hey, the U is back. This is what we're going to do. We're going to beat all these teams. And then you lose at home to Georgia Tech, who is terrible. Terrible. They are not good. They're in the middle of a rebuild. Yeah. And you know, also, the last play of the game, to have the receiver just get behind the entire defense. I mean, how the fuck does that happen? How does that happen? Haynes King, who couldn't you know, complete a pass at AM, is out here daggering you in the final seconds. And that's just insane. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it made no sense at all, but that's what college football is all about right there, just giving uh, games absolutely. away and just having these historic, heroic comebacks happen. And, uh, yeah, man, listen, college football, like you said, it's open this year. It's probably the most fun it'll be. That's why I'm so frustrated as a Notre Dame fan because it felt like a year that we could kind of maybe make some noise and actually make a run in the in the, in the the college football playoff if we were able to say, you know, Maybe get lucky against in that Ohio State game, and you know the, this USC game would be. Um, I'd have a much different vibe going into this one, but all that goes away when you get blown. blown. I mean, even if they had beat Louisville, like I would be like, all right, like here we go. Like this USC game would be huge for them to kind of get back on track and maybe sneak into the playoff because, like you said, it's open. The Pac-12 is going to cannibalize itself. Like it's there's. A lot, there, a lot of these teams are that are hanging around this top 10, 15 area, are you know reasonable, you know, in the in the discussion to be you know included in the college football playoff. But yeah, that's that, and that's uh, that that's the hot take hot box. <laughs> Our sad college football debate. Yeah, bring me back to twenty nineteen with Joe Burrow, please. Yeah, you know, bring me back to. Uh, Brady Quinn, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, but Tommy you know, Reese, maybe. I don't know. Everett Golson. Those were the days <laughs> when he was uh, a quarterback. But Brandon, uh, Brandon, uh, fuck, what was his Wim name? Wimbush. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember them all. Maybe Dane Crest. Don't forget Dane Crest. <laughs> Jack Combe was actually pretty good for them, which uh, is... yeah. All right, you know what? that's enough. Enough is enough. So uh, my name is Matt McSweeney. This is the Hot Take Hot Box. We'll be back later on this week, probably after the Phils get their two games in, and hopefully we're discussing who they're going to play in the NLCS and uh, what's going to go on there. But, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's just hope the next pod has a more jovial feel to it. Let's hope. We have some uh, MMA this week. We have – I'm trying to see if we have – oh, we have some Misfits boxing 
That yeah. should be fun. Yep. That should be real. I mean, if you're waking up at 9 a.m. to watch that, you know, more power to. We have a big fight actually on Showtime. Tim Zhu, Brian Mendoza. Winner gets Jermel Charlo, who everybody is still, still shitting on him for the performance he uh, he had against Canelo, which I, you know, I, I understand. It was not Joshua Clotty, Manny Pacquiao. It was not Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence. It was bad, sure. But let's let's give him a break. I mean, Jesus, I, I'm all for shitting on a person who puts on an absolute dud of a performance, you know. But like, let's fucking lay off relax. the guy a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, you know. I mean, he fought Canelo Alvarez, moving up two weight classes, and Canelo Alvarez is juice to the gills. So it's like, let's let's just calm down. Let's see him fight. T- I mean, he needs this Tim Zoo fight bad because people have been saying he's ducking Tim Zoo. He doesn't want to fly him, and I'm like, he just fought Canelo. How are you going to call him a a duck for it makes no sense to me. It makes no, it's like people that call Shakur Stevenson or uh, Devin Haney a duck for not one not wanting to fight Javante Davis when the guy wants to take eighty percent of the purse. It's like no, nah, I don't think that's how that works. But you know how boxing is. Um, so that's gonna be a big fight. Uh, my cousin Vincenzo Gualtieri is getting in there in the middleweight division for a unification bout. That shows you how bad the middleweight division is. Um, post Triple G and post Canelo. And uh, Miguel Burchell, he's getting back in there on the zone. So, um, yeah, Lee Wood also got a big comeback win against Josh Warrington. So, combat sports is rolling, baby. We got KSI this week. Then we got Logan Paul. Uh, it's going to get really gross. Shout out to Dylan Dan. It's going to get in there. He's got to pay his legal bills. He's going to get absolutely shell- shelled, I think. Absolutely. You know what? That's crazy. Like, I'm, I mean, not that I thought much of Logan Paul before this, but I – he's absolutely tanked any sort of credibility he had in the boxing space by he's like, Oh, I'm going to garnish his wages for the rest of his life because he talks shit about my wife and put turning his replies off on, um, on Twitter. So it's like, it, it's just a joke. Uh, yeah. I, I don't take also, that. I feel shit. like I haven't heard. Sorry. No, like, no I, I feel it. like, I feel like I haven't had heard much from Jake Paul at all lately. Have you also noticed that? Yeah, I think he's probably trying to be the good brother. Like, uh, you know, unfortunately, his brother's not always trying to steal yeah. his opponents and shit like that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there you go, ladies Things and gentlemen. Things are getting weird. Things are getting weird in the Paul world, huh? Hot take, hot box. My name is Matt McSweeney. I'm Cy Capone. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, bet the Phillies money line, uh, and make sure that you have a backup plan. <laughs>